Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man who was called Mal Evans. who was on roadie. And uh, <clears throat> I was coming back on the plane. And he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'll be taking you on a journey to find the mysterious media mogul Matt Drudge, founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who have worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. Hopefully, he'll even sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Second hour of Clay and Buck. I just mentioned this a few moments ago. A run on a major U.S. bank. You know, one of the questions that I've often asked people in the financial world is, what are the things you look for if a recession or even a depression is coming? What are some of those igniting moments? What can be the turning point? And if you were coming up with a list, sure, uh, a major attack by a near-peer foreign power military strike, right? That might send you into a rough financial situation for a while. Um, a, a huge oil shock, massive disruption in the energy markets. That, that could create real problems. Stock market crash, sure, that's another one that sends uh, the economy into a tailspin. But if you're looking at something, uh, if you're wondering what, what can really just put an economy flat on its back in what feels like the blink of an eye when it's happening, bank failures, that's something you really have to avoid at all costs. And as we all can remember, that was, in the case of Lehman Brothers with an investment bank, what got us started with the plunge into the Great Recession of 2008. Now, maybe this is all able to be patched up for the most part there's going to be there's going to be negative consequences of this but as i speak to you right now you have to look at an incident like this situation with the silicon valley bank and think this is something that could be that first spark into the dry tinder this could take an economy that is let's be honest the u.s economy has been under biden stumbling along it you know we haven't seen massive job losses of the scale that would force democrats to admit it's happening uh we haven't seen the kind of economic uh dislocation and even despair that would lead people to use the d word depression uh that's clear that's obvious it's been muddling through it's been a kind of 
stumbling along, technically in recession last year, but not really, they say. And then we argued over that. Uh, stock market is down substantially under Biden, but it hasn't crashed. Uh, housing, you know, m- rates have gone up. Housing prices, though, in a lot of places, I mean, I'm down here in Florida, housing prices are steady or going up still. Um, so it hasn't been yet what some had thought would happen, which was a major uh, correction uh, from years and years of a bull market and tremendous financial growth in America. Thank you, Trump administration, for, for a few amazing years pre-pandemic into something that makes everybody really feel the economic pain. And I don't know what this Silicon Valley Bank uh, run situation will turn into. I, I think that people who get too deep into economic forecasting end up doing a lot of apologizing if you look at their records. But I do know that this is the kind of thing, this is the sort of incident that can lead to big problems. Here's what's happening. Silicon Valley Bank in Santa Clara, California, is the 18th largest bank in the U.S. So, so this is not some little local bank that's just taking, you know, mom, mom and pop deposits from the, from the general store. And no, no. This is a bank that has $212 billion of assets as of September. So call it, you know, 200 plus billion in assets. That's a lot of money. But also, uh, very importantly, this is a bank that is known for being a lender of uh, first resort for a lot of venture capital firms. So a lot of, in the tech space, right, we're thinking Sil- Silicon Valley Bank. Why they name it that? Because it's in Silicon Valley and it's dealing with the companies in that, that area, which are, which have been, um, a lot of the major drivers of, of the U.S. economy for the last, on the last 10 years or so, I mean, give or take. I mean, you look at Google and Facebook and Amazon and Netflix and, and these companies, um, and what they've been able to do and the valuations they have, uh, and the stock runs that they've had. It's a big deal. Well, Silicon Valley Bank was, uh, where you would go in a lot of cases as a venture capital firm to get the money to put a deal together to invest in tech startups to uh, to look at a tech company that perhaps is about to do a major expansion or an acquisition. So this bank, the funds that it has are used to l- lubricate and finance the mechanisms of the Internet. Right. Think of it that way. Uh, the, the startups, I should say, that are operating in that tech space, the, the new and up and coming, the next, the next, uh, tranche of, of great internet companies. And the fact that this bank has had a run. I mean, there are photos circulating of people desperately standing in line trying to get their money out. This is today and this is happening right now. And this isn't some, you know, a uh, little bank nobody's ever heard of. I mean, this is a bank that is supposed to be highly sophisticated, incredibly well connected. And, you know, they tried to raise, uh, I think they tried to raise a couple of billion dollars to, to deal with the shortfall that they have gone through. And it, it just hasn't worked. So now you've seen the regulators, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, FDIC seizing this bank and people are finding out, 
You know that whole thing about how you're insured up to $250,000? Well, that's nice. You know what happens beyond that level, which when you're talking about a lot of a, a lot of depositors, a lot of people with accounts at SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, are in this category. You're hoping maybe you get your money back, but maybe you don't because it comes from the sale, the liquidation of whatever assets the bank has. And, you know, it's a bank. It's not, you know, this isn't like the Disney Corporation that owns hundreds of millions of dollars of real estate, et cetera, et cetera, right? This is a bank. So they're going to sell off what they can in terms of assets on the balance sheets. And then maybe you get back some of your money. Maybe you don't beyond the 250 that the federal government steps in with. So this bank very rapidly has reached a point where, well, people are wondering about contagion. Is this going to happen somewhere else? Why did this happen at the, I mean, let me ask you this. They're going to pretend now. I mean, the regulators and everybody say, Oh no, we've, we've been able to tie this off. We've been able to make it so that this is unlikely or it's, you shouldn't have any concerns about a domino effect, other runs on other banks, or even just broader economic implications. They're going to tell you that. Meanwhile, you have Bill Ackman, one of the most well-known uh, hedge fund guys. He's a multi-multi-billionaire. He's a hedge fund guy who just shared this in the last 24 hours. The failure of SVB Financial could destroy an important longtime driver of the economy, as VC, venture capital-backed companies, rely on SVB for loans and holding their operating cash. If private capital can't provide a solution, a highly dilutive government-preferred bailout should be considered. We have had a bank run, a bank failure, and now people who know what time it is are already saying maybe we should have a bank bailout by the government. Now, look, we'll see where all of this goes. Um, we'll see if this is just the one-off, but I, I would, I would approach it this way. I don't, I'm not a VC guy. I have friends who are venture capitalists and people that work at investment banks. And so I have connections into that world, but I am not of that, uh, of that in, in world in my background. I would say though, was anyone talking about the possible failure of a $200 billion bank in the last month? Did you see that anywhere? Did, did anyone, was anyone like sounding the alarm bell? <clears throat> were, were you hearing from people? Hey guys, we got to watch out. This one bank out in Santa Clara, California, it's having some, uh, some rough stuff happen on the balance sheet. I'm, I'm worried about whether it's insolvent. I, I didn't see it. Now, maybe if you're really into the financial journalism world and there are probably some, but I just mean the American people overall. Were you hearing about this before the last 24 hours? Was anybody talking about it? That makes you think, if this could happen at this level this rapidly, what other holes are in the economy right now that are just waiting to be exposed? And then all of us have to deal with the ramifications and, and the damage. We're over $30 trillion in debt, as you know. There's a whole lot of reason to believe that we haven't really paid the full price of the lockdown, the trillions of dollars of spending, and all of the economic uh, alchemy that has gone on to try to pretend that people can stay home and get checks and it's no big deal. 
And these things all seem, you know, the, the, the truth about bankruptcy, the old joke about bankruptcy, that it happens slowly, then suddenly, is also true of major recessions. You know, everyone sees it clearly in retrospect when it's obvious and it has happened. But when it actually becomes obvious that it has happened, it feels like it is quite sudden. It feels like, oh, my gosh, look what just hit us. And there's usually, a, you know, a first strike and then there's a second wave of something that comes. Are they able to totally uh, tie this off, limit the damage and no greater structural impact on the economy? Maybe. Maybe. Do you have faith? That the federal government, with Joe Biden and God knows who else around him as the stewards of the federal agencies like the FDIC that have to make decisions here. Do you have any faith in their ability to navigate us through this? You know, you can't tax the bank back into solvency. You can't social justice your way to venture capital investment reappearing on the scene. You know, you have to make clear-eyed decisions about what's best for the American people and the American economy with an understanding of markets and a an understanding of, of the history of how these markets have collapsed in the past and what's happened, how these industries have gotten crushed before, how banks have had runs and failures and collapses. I do not think the people in charge right now, <laughs> to put it mildly, are up for the task if there is any contagion from this. I think that the media will be desperate to lie to you about any second-order effects of this because they know that we're already effectively in a presidential election cycle. And one thing that would truly and clearly doom the Democrats, whether it's Biden or Kamala or Newsom or, you know, you know, if Michelle Obama decided to run, which people I know always talk about, even Michelle Obama as the Democrat nominee isn't going to win election if you are in a brutal and grinding recession. So they're not going to be honest with you about the possibilities here, and they're going to do everything they can to say it's no big deal. I don't know, but I'm telling you they don't know, and they're not going to be honest with you either about what could happen here. When you had Peter Thiel telling uh, people, what was this, just um, uh, he he was effectively telling people, um, to his, the venture capital fund co-founded by Peter Thiel, rather, I should say the venture capital fund co-founded by him advised companies on Thursday night to pull money from the Silicon Valley Bank. So he was saying, get your money while you can, get it out of there. It's a $200 billion financial institution. We just had the Sam Bankman freed fraud of tens of billions of dollars, billions of dollars evaporated. How many of these things do you think can happen before all of a sudden, the bill comes due for you and for me and for everybody else. I want to switch gears here for a second. It's easy to advocate for someone and something when you believe in it. And I really believe in the work that the pre-born network of clinics are doing each and every day in their clinics nationwide. In their brief 17-year history, they've rescued over 200,000 babies. These are children living and breathing and going through school today because their moms got the love and support they needed when they needed it. The majority of the women who come to these preborn clinics are being pressured. They're, they're feeling despair to abort their unborn child. Preborn seeks these women out before they make that choice that can never be taken back and introduces them to the life growing inside of them through a free ultrasound. Thanks to donations from you and me. 
Once a mom hears that heartbeat, sees that precious life inside her, a majority of the time she does choose life for that baby. $28. That's all an ultrasound costs. $28. $140 would provide five ultrasounds. Do you have five ultrasounds worth of donation in you today? You could save five babies' lives, or $28, or $10, or $1,000. Whatever you can donate, it is tax-deductible, and all of it goes toward this mission of saving babies' lives. Dial pound 250, say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, say baby, or visit Preborn's website, preborn.com slash buck. You can donate there. It's very easy. Preborn.com slash B-U-C-K, sponsored by Preborn. Truth after truth, you can handle the truth. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip. Who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Buble's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody including sitting presidents so join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before tell it like it is and even sing a song or two this is our podcast and we're going to do it our way listen to our way on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts how could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'm a reporter who's covered politics for years, and in this podcast, I'm going to travel far and wide searching for the reclusive Matt Drudge, the founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who've worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. I'll also be chasing down tips from you, the listener, through a special hotline. So if you know where Drudge is right now or have a great Drudge story that might help us better understand the mysterious media mogul, please give us a call at 301-200-2414. Hopefully by the time this show ends, the man who knows Drudge best, Matt Drudge himself, will break his silence and sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. This is Buck, and I wanted to tell you a little more about this bank failure, because that's what it is, a run on a bank and a bank failure, $200-plus billion of assets for Silicon Valley Bank, SVB. Uh, This is a thread from Brad Hargreaves on Twitter, and here's what he's saying about this. A lot of people that are following Silicon Valley and 
the tech space closely are saying, guys, this is bad, but this could get really bad, as in affects all of us, like the rest of America, bad, depending on how this goes. He writes, the SVB closure and receivership is going to have a massive impact on the tech ecosystem. SVB was not just a dominant player in tech, but was highly integrated in some non-traditional ways. A few things we will see in the coming days and weeks. One, Silicon Valley Bank was incredibly integrated into the lives of many founders, not just their startups, bank and lender, but also provided personal mortgages and other financial services. This is a whole mess for the FDIC to unwind. Two, any uninsured balance at SVB above 250K, they're in jeopardy. FDIC plans to pay them out as it sells the assets of SVB, but lots of startups exclusively banked with SVB as this was a covenant of their debt. Brad Hargreaves goes on. CEOs yesterday faced a hard choice. Pull your deposits and go into default on your venture debt or risk losing everything if the bank failed. Many chose to hold tight as SVB's outright failure failure seemed outlandish. Yeah, and it happened, by the way. Now they may not be able to make payroll next week. Unpaid wages pierce the corporate veil, so boards are incredibly sensitive to employing workers they may not be able to pay. Expect mass layoffs later today, Monday at the latest. And then he says, given the weak fundraising environment, a number of startups that have been reliant on venture lenders um, uh, are not aggressively pursuing amortization of debt or triggering... Okay, some getting into financing stuff here, but how will the FDIC handle this? Mass defaults? Um, this is... This is a mess, folks. This is a mess. A $200 billion mess that is going to dramatically affect the single biggest driver of economic growth as a sector, the tech industry, in this country. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Donald Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's heroes have made for us. Heroes like Air Force Senior Sergeant Major Israel Del Toro Jr. He promised his father he'd take care of his family, and he promised his son he'd be home to watch him grow up. When his Humvee exploded in Afghanistan, he suffered severe burns over more than 80% of his body. With only a 15% chance of survival, Del Toro focused on the promises he made. Later, he became the first fully disabled airman permitted to re-enlist and a gold medal winner in the Invictus Games. Now he shares his story to help others. Thanks to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation and your generosity, Del Toro received a mortgage-free smart home. The home has a myriad of features to help him live his life more independently. Help heroes like Del Toro when they need it most. Join us. Clay and I both donate every month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Tunnel to Towers Foundation, T2T.org. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. Um, Wondering if, if you're worried at all about this run on a bank and failure of a bank out in Silicon Valley, the Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, and uh, whether this is a harbinger of things to come, or maybe it's just a one-off. Maybe it's, you know, like um, FTX crypto exchange, you know, something that just blew up billions in dollars of losses. Now, I don't. there's no allegations of any impropriety that I've seen so far, so it's different in that regard. Obviously, major difference, but still a lot of money at stake. A lot of people losing a whole lot of money. And where does this go? 
But I had mentioned, oh, 800-282-2882, if you want to talk about that. I had mentioned this uh, Glenn Youngkin town hall. Um, and he did a CNN town hall, and I don't understand, unless he's thinking uh, that he is going to win over, maybe that's the play, and I, I get it, win over some moderates who watch CNN, although I, I just wonder how many moderates really watch CNN now. I, CNN is the commie news network. I mean, it is far left in its agenda. It is obviously uh, almost sociopathically anti-Republican. I mean, they just they just despise uh, the GOP over at CNN. They've been trained to do so by the Zucker regime uh, under the Trump years. So why give them why give them access? Why actually do this town hall with them? It just doesn't doesn't seem like a, I know why he did it. I don't think it's a good idea to do it. That's how I should put it. I don't think you should do uh, do this stuff because CNN CNN's not your friend, you know? And and it's not your friend just if you love America. CNN's not your friend. Same way, if the New York Times reached out to me and they said, Buck, we would love to do a, a, a profile on you, you know, a thousand words, I would say, no, thank you. And probably I'd say more than that, but can't say it on the radio. That's it. Want nothing to do with regime media and the way that they try to distort and attack and undermine all under the guise of journalism. But Yunkin was fielding, to be fair, it's a town hall. So he's fielding questions from parents, teachers, students. And it was mostly about education, and education was the issue that, more than any other, propelled Yunk into a a major victory um, in in Virginia. Remember, it wasn't just that he won; Virginia also went very red in uh, ac- across the board. Right? So you have a majority in the state legislature now. You have uh, Republican uh, Republican uh, Miaris as the attorney general. Um, you have some really strong new GOP folks who who are now in in prominent roles at in Virginia. So here here's what I wanted to to give you as the biggest takeaway from this, the most important stuff from it all. Um Yunkin was asked because this is a big area for uh, for Democrats, of course. Yunkin was asked about I'm sorry, asked by a transgender man so a female who is now presenting, which they say, um, you know, really, you could say kind of costuming as a man um, and or, you know, putting on the, the trappings of masculinity visibly to some degree, asked about bathroom usage. And to give you a sense of how extreme Democrats have been on this for a long time, I like to remind people that when there was that. Uh, North Carolina bathroom bill controversy under the Obama administration. The Obama administration threatened to cut Department of Education funds to North Carolina and uh, over whether transgender females could use the girls' bathroom or not. I also want to remind everybody that if you had said 10 years ago Democrats want 13-year-old transgender men or you know whatever the gender switch may be to be using a female bathroom, um, they would say that that's uh, your your fear mongering. You're doing slippery slope argument. And now here now Democrats have gone full on. We want men competing as power lifters. We want uh, I'm sorry, 
against females. <laughs> men can compete as powerlifters. We want men competing against women as powerlifters. We want uh, you know biological males to be using women's uh, restrooms and accommodations. In fact, they want to give awards for womanhood on a global level for International Women's Day to men, which they just did. And Jill Biden was there with Tony Blinken to present the award, as we discussed earlier this week. So they've gone all the way. They've gone all the way. And that's why you also see that they can't even retrench. They, they can't uh, adjust on the most extreme stuff, which is now drag shows for children, for small children, and transgender surgery for adolescents and even children and they go as far as to say that doctors get it wrong when they see uh, male genitalia and think that's a boy when the baby comes out. Doctors, quote, get it wrong. Okay. So Glenn Youngkin was asked last night about bathrooms, gender-neutral bathrooms. Here is what he said. Play one. Your transgender model policy required that students play on the sports teams and use the restrooms that correspond with their sex assigned at birth. Look at me. I am a transgender man. Do you really think that the girls in my high school would feel comfortable sharing a restroom with me? What's most important is that we try very hard to accommodate students. That's why I have said many, many times, we just need extra bathrooms in schools. We need gender neutral bathrooms. And so people can use a bathroom that they, in fact, are comfortable with. I don't like this gender neutral bathroom response from him because it's unrealistic and it is a concession to the other side where no concession should be made. Okay? We're drawing lines here, folks. We're drawing bright red lines for how we're going to organize and order our society. That is the fight we're in now. They made us have this fight. They demanded this fight. So now we're going to have to be clear about what we want. Let me start, though, just with the... the uh, you know Not every school is going to be able to... Because remember, it would have to be, I would assume, gender-neutral locker room, gender-neutral bathroom. They're going to do this. Think of the cost of this as just one part, one part of this equation. Now, some schools would probably say, oh, we can do it. And, you know, Virginia property taxes are probably pretty high for a reason. But that's one aspect of it. But then there's the why should, if I had a daughter, I mean, I'm, I'm you know, married now and I'm hoping to start a family soon. If I had a daughter... And she was 12 or 13 years old, and there was a 13-year-old with male genitalia in the uh, same changing space and locker room as her. I would have a problem with that, okay? Because that would make her uncomfortable. It would make me uncomfortable. And I think especially given what we saw, which was a transgender student in Virginia, in Loudoun County, who was using the female locker room and was then accused of two sexual assaults against women— he was claiming to be a woman, but he actually sexually assaulted two actual women, allegedly. Um, that we know that there are issues here. There are safety issues. There are real concerns. So I think Youngkin, that, that was a, that was a weak response. It's not about third, there's not gender neutral third party or third gender or any of that stuff bathrooms. It's boys and girls, you use the gender bathroom that you are. What your sex is, not your gender identity. Use the bathroom you are. That's just how it's going to go. That's how it should go. He was a little bit better on the sports issue. Play clip two. I think sports are very clear. 
And I don't think it's controversial. I don't think that biological boys should be playing sports with biological girls. There's been decades of efforts in order to gain opportunities for women in sports. And it's just not fair. And I think that's non-controversial and something that I think is, is pretty well understood. His answer is the right answer, but his analysis is the wrong analysis because the left says this is highly controversial. In California, this is considered incredibly controversial. In New York, this is considered, uh, you know, this is considered heresy. You don't think that a, you know, a 230-pound guy named Bob who wants to play after playing men's rugby, you know, for the first 18 years of his life, now wants to play women's rugby? You don't think he should be able to just run around and stiff-arm all the women into the dirt and trample them at will? New York, California, they say, if you have a problem with that, you're the bad person. So he's wrong when he says it's non-controversial. Oh, no, they think it's controversial. But he did give the right answer, which is, of course, we shouldn't have mixed-gender sports. Mixed-gender sports is the destruction of women's athletics. So if that's what the left wants, that's what they should say. We want to destroy women's athletics. Who needs coffee in the afternoon, my friends? I do, but you know what's even better than coffee? Chalk. Chalk is amazing. I'm not talking about the stuff kids write on the sidewalk with. I'm talking about daily supplements made with natural ingredients that help with energy, stamina, mood, and more. After years of research, Chalk, spelled C-H-O-Q, came up with a variety of formulations that were lab-tested twice for purity and potency, and the benefits are profound. Their male vitality stack is a set of three daily supplements that help replenish the body's testosterone levels. Little known fact, men on average have lost 50% of their T levels over the last 50 years. Chalk addresses this problem. For women, the female vitality stack focuses on hormone health, how the body takes on stress and collagen production. To learn more about what Chalk Supplements can do for you, head on over to their website at Chalk.com. You can find everything you want to know about their products right there. It's spelled C-H-O-Q.com. Use my name, Buck, to get 35% off your Chalk subscription for life. You can cancel at any time. So you just want to try this stuff. Check it out. If it's for men, it's for women, especially formulated for what works for your biochemistry. So go to Chalk, C-H-O-Q.com. Use my name, Buck. You'll get... 35% off your chalk subscription for life. Put down that eighth cup of coffee or third cup of coffee or the energy drink. You know, oh, try a chalk supplement instead. Chalk.com is the website. Use my name, B U C K, Buck, as the promo code. Don't miss a minute of Clay and Buck and get behind the scene access to special content for members only. Subscribe to CNB 24 7. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. 
And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. Hear about Michael Bublé's entrance into show business. And get business insight from Mark Burnett. Find out what scares my son-in-law, Jason Bateman. And discover the bragging rights that come with beating Michael Jordan at golf. Together, we know just about everything everybody, including sitting presidents. So join us as we ask the questions they've not been asked before, tell it like it is, and even sing a song or two. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How could the most powerful man in media just vanish from public life? My name is Chris Moody, host of the new podcast, Finding Matt Drudge. I'm a reporter who's covered politics for years, and in this podcast, I'm going to travel far and wide searching for the reclusive Matt Drudge, the founder of The Drudge Report. Along the way, I'll talk to people who've worked with him, dined with him, and fought with him, taking listeners into private conversations, all in an attempt to get a better understanding of who Drudge is and what motivates him. I'll also be chasing down tips from you, the listener, through a special hotline. So if you know where Drudge is right now or have a great Drudge story that might help us better understand the mysterious media mogul, please give us a call at 301-200-2414. Hopefully by the time this show ends, the man who knows Drudge best, Matt Drudge himself, will break his silence and sit down with us. Listen to Finding Matt Drudge on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Play and Buck. We got some calls up right now. And we've got Steve. He's in Akron, Ohio, and he used to work at Silicon Valley Bank back in the 80s. Tell me about Steve, tell us about what you think the possible uh domino effects, second order effects, however you want to describe it, could be here with this with this major bank failure out in California. Well, first of all, good morning or good afternoon, wherever you are and wherever I am. Uh, it's not a question of if, it's a matter of uh, when. And the FDIC, uh, both on the federal as well as the state people, have this lovely, oh, I guess you could call it a formula with a lot of uh, variables and coefficients on it. And one of them is the loan quality, and the other one deals with their uh, deposits. Silicon Valley Bank, undoubtedly, to protect, if you will, some of their exposure, uh, did the same thing that the Penn Square Bank did in the uh, in the mid-80s in that they sold a number of their loans in what they call participation packages to larger banks, uh, whether national as well as international. In other words, they didn't want to take the whole 100% uh, potential exposure to it, so they would sell off chunks to that. If those participation loans go bad, then not only does the Silicon Valley Bank uh, have to eat it, if you will, but every one of those banks that uh, was a member of that participation, they got to go as well. They write that off. And when they start writing things off, and depending on the dollar amounts and the timing of it, the regulators will come in and they will look at everything. I mean, not only will they look under the rocks, God, they'll sift the sand under the rocks. And the worst thing that could happen to the bank would be to get this, something the equivalent of what's called a, a C&D, a cease and desist order. In other words, you can't make loans 
because you have the leverage that you have with respect to your uh, deposits as well as the quality of your uh, asset portfolio. If that goes down substantially, the FDIC, they're going to look at you and say, look, unless this loan is secured by gold that you can verify came out of King Tut's uh, burial tomb, you ain't making those loans. And that's where the companies, the banks, uh, make uh, so much of their uh, uh, profits on things. And that's going to cause a ripple effect. Have one of your history people go look and see what happened to Penn Square, because they took the Citicorps and Bank of Americas and all those other uh, uh, big boys in the uh, banking world who wore the, uh, the, longs, the long pants. <laughs> they had some write-offs, too. So, so do you think this could be the start of the kind of financial um, dislocation kind of wave of, of effects that could just hit the, the broader economy? I mean, that's the main question. It could, and the question is, how big is that wave? It could just be a ripple effect or, you know, what happened with Silicon Valley Bank, that was just uh, the catalyst to what became a, uh, you know, tsunami that uh, ran through the entire uh, economy. Yeah, well, that that's exact. That's what the people that I know who know what they're talking about, they're saying that, too, which is that we just at this stage can't assess what the secondary damage will be. But there is certainly the possibility that this isn't just, you know, a, a random campfire, but this is something that could turn into a full on forest fire, depending on how the wind blows. Thank you for uh, for calling in, Steve. Uh, some real insight there on just what we are uh, facing. Um and yeah, look, I, I am concerned about this. I don't think that the people who are in charge of making these decisions, look, FDIC, you're going to have bureaucrats who have been in the roles for a long time. It's not like the kinds of, uh, you're not going to have usually, I should say, the same level of political, uh, intent and politicization that you'd see, say, with an FBI director or even a, a secretary of the treasury. Um, but still they're taking orders from the White House, right? I mean, still they're, they're part of the federal government overall. And that means that you're going to have some real, um, some real challenges, I think, because the people that are making these decisions. Well, here's Ted Cruz, for example. I, I want to play this for you. So I wanted to mention at the top, while we're worried about, you know, what happens with a bank failure, you know what the Biden budget's worried about? Equity and how we need to use more of our resources for equity. Here's Ted Cruz counting the number of times that the Biden budget uses words like equity, climate, and transgender. Play clip 19. This is Bernie Sanders' budget. This is AOC. This is Elizabeth Warren. And, and, and let me show you just some amazing stats just on a quick review of the budget. All right, here's how many times the following words appear in the budget. Equity, 63 times. Climate, 148 times. Environmental justice, 25 times. Transgender, 8 times. Intersex, which I have no idea what that is, 7 times. Yep. That's what's in the Biden budget. So when you look at it by by the numbers, you can see where the, um, where the interest is. By the way, fentanyl is used twice. Opioid appears four times in the entire budget. But equity is 63 times, and uh, transgender appears eight times, queer appears seven times. Some of the uh, analysis that's gone on here. I told you that Fauci is expressing a regret. He has but one regret, and 
when you hear what it is, you're going to understand why. I really do think he's the most dishonest, most loathsome um, federal bureaucrat in my certainly in my lifetime. And I don't know, maybe people could argue in world history. I mean, he's pretty bad. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man, who was called Mal Evans, who was on roadie, and uh, I was coming back on the plane, and he said, will you pass the salt and pepper? And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, what? Salt and pepper? Listen to season two of McCartney, A Life in Lyrics, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.